Why, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional. I'm Michelle, and as always, I'm here with my good friend, Suzanne. Hey, Suzanne. How are Hi, you? Michelle. I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing very well. I am a little rushed this morning because I decided that I could be superwoman and get the dogs walked, myself walked, mm-hmm. everything done before meeting at nine, but... Yeah, at 8.55, I'm trying to power up my computer, so. Oh. But it's good. I've already got my exercise done for the day, and now I can just be lazy the rest of the day. Nice. Yeah, it doesn't happen, but, like, in a perfect world, maybe it would, so. (laughs) Anyhow, the other day, Rob and I, we had gone to breakfast, and this is just a little story I'd like to share. We had gone to breakfast, and I had to get up run to the bathroom before we left. So I go into the bathroom. I walk into my stall the same time somebody is walking out of their stall and it's a woman and her daughter. So they go over to the sink. She's helping her daughter wash her hands. They're just Mm -hmm. talking. It's the sweetest little chit chat. And then the mom hands the daughter a paper towel. And I kid you not, this three-year-old said to her mom, thank you, mom. And then she goes, you know, if you don't say thank you, people not going to do things for you. And I'm thinking, how sweet is that? This little three-year-old is already realizing the value and a thank you. Her parents are doing something right. And for a moment, I thought, oh, I should run out there and just tell her what a great job she's doing as a parent. And I'm like, that would be awkward, though, because we're in the bathroom. But... (laughs) It was really a sweet moment. It's obvious that they have those all the time. And it's just a conversation with her. And it was just a little girl acknowledging in her own way she's learning the lessons. And I thought that was really cool. It sparked my joy. That is such a sweet story. I love it. Good way to start our podcast today. Yeah. Kids with manners are getting grown up. They're getting brought up, and it's not yeah. a lost art. Because I think the art of saying thank you is oh. sometimes overlooked or overshadowed by our busy lives. I so agree with you. Yeah, I so agree with you. So, yeah, it just sparked my joy there. I have other Yay. things that have sparked my joy, but other things that continue to challenge my daily views of myself. So why don't we jump into this first conversation of the day? Okay, everyone, a couple weeks ago, Suzanne and I, we were chatting about Martha Stewart and her amazing Sports Illustrated cover, the swimsuit cover. And we had gone down this road. We were talking about aging and touch-ups and everything that goes with it and how bold and brave it was of her to go on that cover, to blow stereotypes, to just embrace where she's at. And then we got into a conversation about aging, but we didn't have time to finish it because it was a book club episode. So today's that day if you want it or not today's that day we're going to talk a little bit more about aging yeah it starts today we're going to continue this conversation because i have so much to say i know we can't squeeze it all into one segment yeah and everybody's getting older so if we have another segment like this in a couple months a couple weeks 
Yeah. We're a couple weeks older. So yeah. um, I want to start, though, with um, an interview that I read from Martha Stewart about what she did to prepare for that, that, what would you call it? That cover or that photo that shoot? That photo shoot, uh-huh. That photo shoot. Because I know we talked a little bit about how much touch-up was there, and I'm sure that there was a lot of professional touch-up. But she put a lot of work into preparing for it. She knew it was coming, and she said she just knew there were things that she needed to do to make herself look as good as she could for this photo shoot. Right. Not only look as good as you can, but then feel good too. So embrace the whole essence of it. Right. And she admits that she said she was blessed with good genes. She said she knows she has aged pretty well, but she said she did, she did change her diet for a couple of months. She said it wasn't, she modified it. She didn't, there weren't drastic changes, but she said she knew that she had to, um, that the cleaner she ate, the more vibrant her skin would look, which I thought was very smart. I guess when you're 80 years old and you're Martha Stewart, you got to be Martha Stewart because you're, you're very self-aware. And disciplined. <laughs> and disciplined. Because then she also said she did Pilates every other day religiously. And she said, good diet and good exercise and healthy skin care is all the stuff you need (laughs) to look good. And I just thought that was really good. Yeah, no, those are all wonderful words of wisdom. And when you know you have something big like a photo shoot coming up or a vacation coming up, you really do, I think, try to put your best foot forward. So you feel like you look good, you feel good, you're healthy. And I'm kind of starting to step into that a little bit with this vacation that we're going on. And I know you hate when Mm -hmm. I talk about being mindful. But today it starts a little bit of what you were saying, cleaner eating, less Mm -hmm. drinking, more exercising, all those things that will help me feel better from the inside out. I have a lot of respect for that because I am not that kind of person. I hate to say it. I wish I could say I'm that kind of person. I wish I could say, yep, I'm determined. I'm going to spend the next four to six weeks, you know, eating well, not drinking, exercising every day. So I feel great. But I have never been a person who, who, has an end goal to get to as far as my appearances are. I just, I'm not that kind of a person. And so, yeah, I probably for the next four to six weeks will not change anything in my life. And I'm thinking because I've had to change up some plans recently Mm -hmm. that made sense in our life. So I was talking to you about possibly coming to Scottsdale or your area of Arizona which I'll probably, I'll just say Scottsdale, coming to Scottsdale to see you. And now you're probably wishing you hadn't extended that invite because Um, I'm going to be like, can't do that. Can't do that. I don't care. See, and that's (laughs) the other thing. It's like, it's not going to stop me from doing what I want to do. It's like, if you choose not to have a glass of wine with me, oh, well, I'm going to have it anyway. 
And I probably will because I get terrible FOMO and that's not even the right word. It's I just get caught up in the moment. I want to do what you're doing too. So I can deviate a little bit. I can give myself a little bit of that wiggle room. But I will say to that also, I do always exercise. I do always get up and go for a walk and do things Mm -hmm. to keep myself active because as I age, I think that's really important. I've watched my parents age and that has been a part of their routine and it's pretty remarkable. They're still very young at heart. They're still very active and can do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's an important part of my, my routine. You know, I don't over drink, but I do like wine and champagne and eat that's where I get in a little more trouble because like we as you said a couple weeks ago our kitchen isn't the main focus in our house so we go out to eat a lot right but that's your lifestyle and you you have trained yourself to incorporate your eating habits into your regular lifestyle true and I will say like when I'm mindful eating I can cook and the food is pretty good. It's it's just healthier and it's just, I'm thinking about it more. So it's just a part of the aging, trying to keep it all together. Right. So interestingly, recently on the Today Show, which is part of my morning routine, there was a gentleman who did an experiment for 100 days. He ate only McDonald's. And he wanted to see what would happen to his body. (laughs) And are you curious to know what happened? Absolutely. I love McDonald's. So do I. And I actually, I, I so rarely go to McDonald's, but I was just like a week ago, I was on a mad dash to get somewhere I hadn't eaten. And it's like, okay. And it was on a Sunday, so Chick-fil-A was closed because that would be my go-to if I, you know, if I need something to eat right now. But so I ran through McDonald's and I got a quarter pounder with cheese. I probably have, I don't know when the last time was I had a quarter pounder with cheese. And oh my God, it was so good. It's like, God, I could, I could do this every day. So I found it interesting that this guy decided a hundred days ago that he was going to, um, eat only McDonald's and see what happened to his weight and his blood work. And he was about, I would say 30 to 40 pounds overweight going into this. So morning, noon and night, he ate three times a day. He had only McDonald's. So what's your prediction? What happened? Oh, gosh. I want to say that he lost weight, his blood work got better because it was routine and it was a positive result, but I'm guessing that's probably not what happened. It actually is what happened. Really? Awesome. He lost, I think he said he lost 60 pounds in a hundred days. And he said the only thing he didn't have at McDonald's was, were his drink. He said, he drank only water and he made it a point to drink half of his weight in ounces every day. And so he was, I think he said he was drinking about 110 ounces of water a day because he started at 220 pounds. But oh my gosh, 
And he said what he did was he'd order anything on the menu that he felt like, and he'd only eat half of it. And he said he only did it three times a day. And it really depended on his hunger level, what time of day he ate. And he didn't snack in between. So, but he said a lot of times he'd have a Big Mac, but he'd cut it in half and he'd only eat half of it. He'd get a large fry, but he'd only eat half of them if he was really hungry. And his blood work all came back significantly better than it was 100 days ago. That's crazy. That blows my mind. I know. And he said the only vegetables he got were the lettuce, tomatoes, onions, and pickles that you get on your quarter pounder with cheese or on your Big Mac sandwich. That's the only vegetable he got. And all of his numbers came down. Every single number in his blood work lowered. And some of them so significantly that he was dumbfounded by it. And his wife, 48 days into his experiment, she could see he had lost, I think he had lost 17 or no, he had lost 22 pounds at day 48. And so his wife joined him. And they only ate McDonald's. She only ate McDonald's for the last 52 days. And she has already lost 17 pounds. Who knew? Now, I know. And I'm thinking about that, thinking, what? I mean, I loved that quarter pounder with cheese. I think I would get pretty sick of it after about a week of eating only McDonald's. But... It's like, God, isn't it tempting to try that? It is so tempting to I have know. my, you know, have weight come off and to eat food that is considered enjoy, junk food that, right, <laughs> that, that I enjoy. Yeah, that you love. I mean, it's like McDonald's French fries. Those are like the best. They're like the best thing on the planet. And I, you know, never touch them because all I can think of is, oh, my God, I can't eat. Of french fry it's so bad for me but he ate everything he just ate half so if he had an extra large fry he ate half of the extra large fries i mean i just find it fascinating <laughs> that he lost that much weight and all of his numbers lowered so significantly right it's so counterintuitive as to what you think the result would have been so it blows my mind and Again, yeah. I would be tempted to try it, but what if for me it worked the other way and I gained weight and all my numbers got worse? But but I don't know because it's like, would that happen if you were disciplined? Because he clearly was very disciplined, but he did not add exercise to his day. You know, he just did what he had always done. He changed nothing else except what he ate. And if you were, and how he ate it, you know, three times a day, half a meal. And if you were that disciplined, you just have to wonder what would happen. Right. And discipline is kind of where I lose it a little bit. Uh -huh. I can be disciplined. If I get three or four, five days a week into a program, that's mm -hmm. one thing I can do pretty well. But up until that point, I am so easily suckered into uh -huh. a a moment of temptation. It's so crazy. I'm like, what? Ugh, it's just frustrating. Well, and now that I'm thinking out loud, I, I'm thinking, you know, I would, 
I would be willing to try this with like Chick-fil-A because I love Chick-fil-A and they have really good salad. So I could still get my vegetables and, you know, I'm tempted to try it, but I don't know if I will, because the biggest problem for me is that Chick-fil-A is, you know, a half an hour from my house. So every time I wanted to eat, I'd have to drive down to Chick-fil-A and that's highly unlikely that that's going to happen. Exactly. You've got to keep those things in mind. But hey, if you try it in the future, you'll have to let us know how it goes. Yeah. But again, thinking out loud, there's nothing that says I couldn't order like four of the salads and then take them home and refrigerate them and eat them for four days. That's true. As long as the dressing's not on it, like hasn't been poured on it because... But but this guy, well, I know, I don't like dressing, but this guy, if there was dressing, he, you know, he didn't keep the mayonnaise off. He didn't keep ketchup and mustard off, you know, the special sauce on the Big Mac. He didn't order it without the special sauce. You know, he ate it as it was prepared. Right. So if they give you a salad with dressing, and I don't like dressing, so that's not an issue for me. No, I was just talking about if they put the salad together and mix the dressing on it. And then it sat in the refrigerator for three oh, days right. and then everything wilted. That oh, would just be disgusting saying. to me. Like true, I couldn't true. even. But, but they don't it. do that at Chick-fil-A. I can tell you, you, you're not a Chick-fil-A aficionado. No, like I, I am. <laughs> I'm not a salad aficionado. <laughs> I'm a Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. Yeah. I'm tempted. I'm just saying I'm tempted. Well, you'll have to let us know because as we age, we need to find ways to tweak our diet. I know that's kind of a fad diet, but like, who's to say it wouldn't work? Okay, so if you, so if I started today and I did it for a week until you came to visit, we could then discuss how one week went. I wouldn't have to do it for a hundred days. I could see how it went for a week. Are you willing to take that challenge? I might be. Let me give it some thought. Okay. Well, you know by the end of this episode if you're going to take that challenge. Maybe I will. Okay. Well, you know, a couple of weeks ago, part of our aging conversation, I've reflected on it. And I do feel a little bit superficial in the fact that I'm so worried now about what my face looks like because I'm now starting to see the aging in it where before Mm -hmm. I really hadn't and it was like a flip got switched or something or is that how you say it flip got switched a switch got flipped yeah yeah a switch got flipped and all of a sudden it's like I'm seeing myself in this different light and I'm having people around me make little comments like, oh, you should try Botox up there. You should do this or you should do that. Oh, you're kidding. No. And I know they're doing it just to be nice or to say there's other ways to deal with it. But I've always thought I was going to age gracefully and just, you know, take good care Mm -hmm. of my skin, get facials, use product, make sure it's washed. But yesterday I went in to my facial appointment and I tried micro channeling in which they put little pinpricks into your skin of your face your neck I didn't do the neck just the face and it allows your own collagen to grow back 
to heal it. And so it's supposed Mm -hmm. to make everything smoother. Great idea, right? Except it Mm -hmm. hurt like a mother. It hurt so bad. Like I'm crying. I feel like I'm going to sneeze. It was so incredibly painful. And I'm like, why? But I know why. (laughs) I know why I'm doing it is because I want to try and be natural about this. I want to try and age gracefully. But I've got to do something, I feel like. Okay, but well, it feels superficial. Okay, okay. I have, because I did microblading on my eyebrows because I have, years ago, because I have white blonde eyebrows naturally. And that's one of those things where I've tinted my eyebrows. I use eyebrow pencils. And at one point, I'm just like, you know, just do the microblading so you don't ever have to worry about your eyebrows. But I don't, what did you call it? Micro... I did micro channeling, which is different than microblading. Right, right. And see, I don't consider that natural. I don't consider that. I think that is interfering with, which not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's not a natural thing to keep your skin useful. You're interfering with the natural process of aging when you try to halt or reverse something that's naturally going on and and there's a lot of positive to that because you're yeah I mean you're reversing you're trying to reverse some of the natural aging but I don't think we can call it natural aging if you're any sort of procedure or product you use to try to slow it down or reverse it is not natural okay Debbie Downer but what I was (laughs) I'm sorry (laughs) what I'm what I meant by that is I didn't want to add fillers or anything. I wanted to use right. what my body already has. But yes, right. no, it's not natural to get like thousands and thousands of pinpricks mm-hmm. in your face. And it's very painful. Okay. And so how does it look? How does it look 20 or how does it feel 24 hours later? Can you, can you, are you still in pain? Is your, is it sore? No, um, it felt like, like a sunburn, I would say. Oh, so okay. not at the time it was being done, it was painful. And I've done it mm-hmm. a couple times now because it's a process of getting it done. And I've only done like my forehead and like in uh-huh. those areas. And it's getting less painful <laughs> because maybe I'm used to it. But it was, right. I, I had to tell and her to stop. I'm like, it's going to make me sneeze. She's like, we well, got to keep your eyes open and it won't, you won't feel like you have to sneeze. And like, mm-hmm. it just hurt though. It was hard to keep my eyes open. Okay, so here's what's going to happen with you and I, is I will continue to age, and you are going to not continue to age physically, because you're doing all of these preventative things. And so five years from now, I'm going to look 15 years older than you, or 20 years older than you, because I will continue to age as I age, and I won't be doing those procedures <laughs> and you will and 20 years from now you're going to be saying ha, 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 I was right you were wrong no I'm not you know I remember having a conversation with my mom years ago and she's like well when you're you know 20 years from now which I'm at now when you're looking at right. yourself and things don't look exactly the same maybe you'll want to do something else and I'm like whatever anyone like wants to do and everything I don't know that I would want to put Botox. I know my husband is so against it. And 
so I'm trying to honor that too. I'm trying to age the best I can, but right. but at I the end of the think, day, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, at the, yeah, at the end of the day, you're going to feel better about how you look when you're my age now because you've spent ten years stressing about it, adding more wrinkles <laughs> because I'm stressing about it. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I. I did not, between the ages of 50 and 60, I did nothing to my face, I, I, other than facials. I do have periodic facials, but I, and the microblading of my eyebrows, duh. But I could have done that when I was 20 if it was available to me. Right, and I sit here, and as we're having this conversation, and again, after listening to the last conversation we had about the aging of the face, that seems like so superficial when you consider everything else that's happening as you're aging, I mean, not only is your body going through physical changes, your skin going mm -hmm. through those changes, your weight going through that, your hearing, I mean, name an organ, name something on your body that isn't affected by aging, but you also have that different mental challenges, perhaps like memory. Mm -hmm. And right. things you used to know, you don't remember quite as well. And so there's a lot that's going on. And really what I'm talking about seems so superficial with the bigger picture of aging. And mm -hmm. again, I'm just stuck in that right now because it's like I saw it for the first time. And I know at the end of the day, right. I've lived a really good life. I've earned the wrinkles. I'm happy with where I am. My people love me no matter right. how I look. But it's a mental thing for me right now. But there's a lot of other things going on, as you know, with aging. Well, absolutely. And yeah, thanks for pointing that out. I am 10 years older than you. No, no. I was talking about the conversation we had earlier about like caring for aging parents yes. and things like that. I mean, there's other challenges there. You're right. And I am currently in a situation where I am caring for my aging mother. And even hearing those words come out of my mouth is disturbing to me because I have never thought of my mother as aging. I have, my mother is one of the strongest, determined women I have ever known in my entire life. And for to think of her as aging is such a, it, it just doesn't fit her personality. But the reality is she is 88 years old and she is aging and her body is betraying her. And she's still healthy. She has no disease. She has no illness, but her aging body is betraying her and without giving too much away and protecting my mom's privacy the simple task of adding a walker to her life is is i don't i don't know how to describe how invasive that feels when i think about my mother and how invasive it feels to her and it's just an interesting interesting world i'm in right now and it's a huge adjustment it's a huge shift in how you're gonna live out the remainder of your life and 
And when you're in a situation that you have to make that decision, walker or no walker, usually I think you're beyond the point of being able to make that decision. It's like the decision is made for you. So you have to quickly adapt to this very significant change in your life. And I think that is what is the hardest part of it, is you're is being forced into that age or that physical level that you've you've now approached because you have to adjust and you have to adjust quickly and you don't like it. Right. And that affects not only your physical body, probably aches and pains you weren't anticipating there, but like mentally too and such a big change and challenge because Yes. I'm sure you get angry about it if you're in that situation or you get frustrated by it or, right. yeah, there's a lot of emotions going on there. Yeah, there are. But I'll get back to how I feel about being 60 because I I feel your pain because 60 was a hard one for me. I, it was very difficult for me to turn 60. And the reason is, is because it's like I'm not fooling anyone. You know, the fact of the when I was in my 50s, I had this idea that I could still pull off looking 40 or I could still pull off people who didn't know me would see me as younger than I am. But I realized when I turned 60, yeah, there's no fooling anyone. I'm old. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the later half of my years and I'm old. And I can't, if someone doesn't know me, they're looking at a 60-year-old woman. And that, that is a hard hurdle for me to get over. I get it. I, I do. I mean, I'm not 60 yet, but 50 was very hard for me. And my sister, mm-hmm. she just turned 50 recently. And she said to me, I just tell everybody I'm 55 because then people will say, wow, you look really good for 55, rather than saying I'm 50 and then just being <laughs> average. I'm like... <laughs> You're always thinking two steps ahead, and yeah. that is kind of brilliant, but I don't want to age myself to anybody until right. I actually have to to be there myself. And, you know, I've talked a lot with my parents about aging and such, and my dad, he came over on my birthday, and we were having a conversation, and he says, it's just a number. It's what you're feeling inside. What is your age at heart? That's what really matters. And those words are so incredibly true because I don't feel 52. I don't feel like there's any way possible that I have a son who's almost 30 years old. It just blows my mind because I don't feel 30 Mm -hmm. years older. And the concept of time right now is actually blowing my mind because I think right now I'm 52 and in 20 years I'm 72. What does that look like? What will I be experiencing then? And there's a little bit of fear there, but a little bit of disbelief too, if that makes sense. It definitely makes sense. Yeah, it's such a weird concept. And my mom used to say that all the time. I think she struggled with turning 50 uh, mentally. And it was really the only year, the only birthday she ever had that she didn't really like. And she said that, she said, because her mind, she still thought she was 25. And, but when she looked in the mirror, she realized she wasn't 25. She realized she was 50. And that's, I think, how I felt when I turned 60. It's like, mentally, I was 30. 
but physically I was, my body was portraying me, you know, my face is aging. And, and then I have my three-year-old grandson who looks at me as a grandma, <laughs> you know, he sees me as an old woman. He doesn't see me as a 30-year-old. He sees me as a grandma. I have thought about this a lot. When I was young, looking at my grandparents and always thinking that they were old. But truly, when I was born, they were in their 40s, I believe. Right. And that isn't old. That wasn't old. They still had so much life in front of them. But from mm -hmm. the vantage point of a young kid... They're older. They're old. <laughs> They're old. Yeah. And I know. really, they weren't. I know. Yeah. But the perception from that young child is they're old because they're so much older than that child. But then on the flip side, when I look at my mother at 88, I see my future. If I'm lucky, to, lucky enough to make it to 88, I also see my future. I also see... That's what 88 looks like. That's what I will be dealing with if I make it to 88. And this is such a fascinating concept because just this morning, Rob was talking about having been at a location where an older couple came in to order breakfast. And he said the couple had to be in their late 80s and the man had pants on the shirt, the suspenders, and they sat down and the wife had to order for him and mm -hmm. how she was going to go meet up with her friends and had to have someone come look in on him throughout the day. So she made sure he was taken care of. And there's so much respect in that, that love. But then Rob's like, we're going to be there someday. If we're lucky enough to live that long, that's going to be us. Right. Because I don't know how I feel about the thought of you having to order a meal for me. He goes, I'd like to think I could still order my own meal. So it really is mm -hmm. humbling to think about that and then to put yourself in that position because we're all going that direction. I mean, nobody escapes exactly. it. Unless, unless you're my, like my father who died, pre, you know, died young or my brother who died relatively right. young. I was going to say, except for people who have, past but you know we're all right. headed that way it was no disrespect to any of that oh no of course not of course not but I always think I I actually think of that all the time I mean had my dad lived um he would be 90 now and and it's like it's hard to even imagine what he would be like at 90 since he died so young but I can look at my mom and I can yeah, and I'm doing things for my mom that I never, ever saw myself doing. And like helping her decide what she wants to eat or, although she's she's still pretty good at that, but yeah, helping her make decisions. Yeah, it's an interesting concept all around in reflection and then in mm -hmm. projection into the future, into those situations. Right. How do you feel about the idea of just being young at heart and embracing that and that's where you put the focus and make sure you stay active and do things that bring you joy and smiles to your day? Right. I, um, I definitely think focusing on things that bring me joy is vitally important. That young at heart attitude, I mean, I, I 
I believe in it, but I also believe in, you know, you just do what you have to do and you get it done. You don't let yourself not do it because of your age. Exactly. Like the quote which from I Martha guess would Stewart. Be young at, yeah, which I guess would be young at heart. It's like, I can do this regardless of what my age is. Yeah, young at heart, but with all the wisdom you've accumulated over all of your years. That would be good. Because then there you don't go. make <laughs> dumb decisions, or sometimes yeah. you do, or scary right. ones, or yeah, yeah. life-threatening ones, or right. something. I know, and I know we have to move on. Um, today, but I don't think we've closed this chapter of our conversation. I think we will come back to aging in a future podcast. Oh, definitely. As we all experience it, I'm sure we're going to have moments that we just have to share because this has never happened to me before and I'm feeling this way about it. And it's nice to have somebody to talk to about things Mm -hmm. like this. It's nice to know that there are other people out there who could be struggling with the same things, not because you want anyone to struggle, just because you then know you're not alone and that it does happen to other people and it's where we're at and it's the reality of things. Right. So, but before we move on, I do want to say, I really thought it was a great idea when I was talking to Eva, she said, just think about your podcast as messages to your grandkids who will not have known you at this age or may not have remembered you or may not have been born because I don't have any grandkids yet. But Mm -hmm. getting to see the side of you and where you were at at that time and what you were like at that time. So getting to almost capsulize or I don't know what the right word is, a version of I think that's a great word. Yeah. Yeah. So... A great I thought, way to look at it. I thought that was a wonderful idea. And maybe moving forward, we'll have segments where it's like, put this in my capsule or something like that. Yeah. So it'll be messages to our future grandkids on what we feel about certain things. Absolutely. Okay, well, why don't we move on to closing then? Okay, sounds good. Thank you, Suzanne, for this conversation today. I know you've had a really challenging week, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, to talk to all of us about all these things. Yep. I appreciate you acknowledging the emotionally tough week I've had, Um, but it's all part of life, isn't it? It sure is. The next thing I was going to ask is, have you started the book of the month? (laughs) Oh, No, no. Uh, Although I laughed because there's another book named, titled Elizabeth and Philip, that I had already purchased by one of my all-time favorite authors, Sally Bedell Smith. And I thought it was still in its package. And when I was pulling it out, it's like, yay, I already have the book. I don't have to order it. And then I realized it was the one by Sally Bedell Smith, not the one by... Is it Tracy Dunlap? Uh, Tessa um, Dunlap. Tessa Dunlap. And it's like, dang it. <laughs> but Well, we could do a little bit of an experiment. You could read your version of the book, and I could read uh, my version of the book, but that might get confusing. But it could be really cool because it would stack things. Yeah, that's true. If I find the time, I will read both of them 
but maybe we could do that. Maybe I'll read the one by Sally Bedell Smith and you read the one by Tessa Dunlap. Okay. I think that would be a great way to look at the book of the month, which again, yeah. for anyone interested, Elizabeth and Philip, the version I had talked about was by Tessa Dunlap and Suzanne just introduced another version, which read either of them and yeah. we'll see how that goes. And with like all that it. shared, I guess the only thing we have left for this episode is something to sip on. And I mm -hmm. do have one picked out today that I think is very, very appropriate. So, okay. Can I do two? You can do two. Okay. So the first one is by Yoko Ono. And here's okay. your something to sip on. Number one, some people are old at 18 and some people are young at 90. Time is a concept that humans created. Again, that was Yoko Ono. And the other one that I really, really like is this one. And it is by Lindsay Sands. Your face is marked with lines of life, put there by love and laughter, suffering and tears. It's beautiful. And that's your something to sip on. Cheers, everyone. Until next week. Cheers.